Well, hello. I'm Harley, and this is Deadly Damsels, Women Who Kill, where I tell you a crazy story about a woman who decided to kill. Today, I have a special guest. Yeah, I'm Austin. That's my amazing boyfriend who I would never poison or murder, unlike Madeline Smith, who was accused of poisoning her lover. Madeline Smith was born on March 29, 1835 in Glasgow, Scotland to James and Elizabeth Smith. Her father was a really wealthy architect and her mother was the daughter of a wealthy architect. So they were wealthy and ran in really high social circles. They lived in a luxurious home in Blythewood Square that was owned by Elizabeth's brother, David Hamilton. The family also owned a country property near Helensburg, which is roughly 45 minutes away from Glasgow. Growing up, Madeline was described as an energetic wild child. She had attended a bunch of different boarding schools, you know, very high class. She had attended schools in London, Paris, and Mannheim. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, she had returned to Glasgow after her education when she was almost 18 years old. She'd say that the town was kind of boring, like she liked to have fun and there was really nothing to do, but she would find balls and parties to attend. And when she didn't have balls and parties to attend, she would walk around the town arm in arm with her sister, Bessie, just trying to find things to do, like shop or, you know. So they're like best friends. Yeah, they're like best friends, I guess. I I don't know. It didn't seem like she had very many friends, like outside of her family at this point. So on one of Madeline and Bessie's early morning shopping trips, she had dropped a book in one of the stores, and this guy had come to help her pick it up. Like a real life, you know, a real life. No. She described him as very, like, intriguing and suave, just like a gentleman, because he had come to help her pick her book up. Book up. Book. Right. Um, you know, something like a scene from a, a romance movie type thing. So this suave gentleman's name was Emil. Emil had discovered where Madeline lived, and he had begun sending her a single red rose once a week. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's so, of dedicated. course, yeah, he was dedicated. And, of course, Madeline finally falls for his charm, and he's, she's like, I'm going to give you a try. He was 10 years older than her, so she was 19, actually, at the time of this, and he was 29. Oh, wow. Emil had told Madeline that he was a Frenchman who relocated from the Channel Islands off the French coast of Normandy. But really, it was his father that had fled France um, during the Revolution. So, basically, Emil had started lying right off the bat, so he wasn't being truthful with her. He was actually born in Jersey, so he was born in the United States. The but guy he was sending her roses. Yeah, the guy that okay. had been sending her roses, and so okay. he's lying to her right off the bat, saying that he. I guess he just wanted to sound more interesting. Well, if maybe there's a way you want to start off a relationship. It's definitely not by lying. So. Right, but of course this isn't known to Madeline, so she's not like seeing any red flags or anything. He's actually been really sweet and nice to her, so okay. their relationship continues. Like it gets going really fast, basically. They're, okay. they're seeing each other a lot more and stuff. So, like I said, the relationship gets pretty hot and heavy pretty quickly. But when Madeline's family finds out about this, they're like, no way is this happening. Because he's not, like, like what they would want for her. Because he's not rich. He's not wealthy. He actually only earned 10 shillings a week working as a clerk in a seedman's office. And I'm not sure if her family, like, found this info out or whatever. But... 
she's like, okay, fine, I won't see him anymore. But at the same time, she's, you know, going behind their back and mm. still seeing him. So Romeo, Juliet, scenario. <laughs> yeah, Romeo. forbidden love. Yeah. So despite Madeline's parents disapproving of this relationship, she is now continuing to communicate with Emil via letters. So... Pen pals. Yeah. Because since they were unable to see each other, these letters had become pretty much their only form of communication at this point. Back then, they probably didn't travel as fast as they do now. Yeah. Okay. It's said that... It took a little bit to get there. Yeah. It's said that she was seen at the post office nearly every single day. And sometimes she would send... 20 letters a day so yeah and (laughs) so and in these letters they would talk about like family and friends and things going on in her life but um mostly it would be like the intimacy within the relationship they would talk about a lot of like nasty things oh so sex yes sex talk right so kind of like sexts but in the form of a letter (laughs) they'd also talked about their future of like running away together and getting married she said she could never be anyone else's wife now that she knew his love. So they had plans of running away together. So several months after the letters started going out, the family moved to um, their country home that I talked about earlier in Helensburg, which is about 45 minutes away from Glasgow. Okay. Um, and, and somehow her father had learned that she was still talking to Emil. And, he, and this time he was serious. He was like, this is it. If I hear about this again, like, there's going to be consequences. And around this time, they're going to, they're setting her up with someone that's wealthy and that suits her better, that runs in the same social circles right. as her. Yeah. Um, so basically, she, he, like, forbade it. Like, you're not going to do it, basically, you know. So then she writes him a letter and she says, quote, Papa was very angry with me for walking with a gentleman unknown to him. But then she goes on to say, quote, I don't care for the world's remarks so long as my own heart tells me I'm doing nothing wrong, end quote. And then she signs this, yours most sincerely, Madeline. So she tells her father that she's going to listen this time, but she's not. A few more days go by and it seems like Madeline kind of has a change of heart when she meets this man that her parents have set her up with. His name is William, a.k.a. Billy Minock, and he's this wealthy, you know, attractive man that runs in the same social circles and is pre-approved by her parents. Um, so she actually likes the person that they Yeah, she. Yeah, it seems like she actually is starting to take a liking to Billy. So then okay. she has a change of heart, and she tells Emil, like, I'm going to obey my parents this time. Of course, she doesn't tell him about Billy because she doesn't want him to be jealous. Hmm. But, um... Yeah. Of course, Emile is hurt by this, and he tells her, quote, I did not deserve to be treated as you have done. He was partly upset because he didn't understand why Madeline's father wouldn't consent to their relationship anyway. Like He, he wanted his her father's approval, and he didn't really have... I guess they didn't tell... She had never told him that, hey, you're just too poor for me, basically. Yeah. Like, you're not... Yeah. yeah it's gotta hurt. Yeah. But this breakup was not permanent. Much like the one before, they had started seeing each other again. By December, five months after she said, you know, I'm going to obey my parents this time, she had written to Emil and asked him to come to Helensburg to see her. So, of course, Emil's like, yeah, I'm going to jump on this. So he goes to her house a few days later, and they meet in the garden in secrecy. Um, I guess she has like a private garden in her at her house so they meet in secrecy and this night would be the night that madeline loses her virginity to emil 
Oh, no. Yeah. So not the guy that she's planning on actually yeah. being married to publicly, but, the pimp you know. The lover. The lover, yeah. Right. So after this is all said and done and <laughs> um, Madeline's virginity is no more, she starts to worry that he's going to be upset with her for letting him take her virginity. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she was worried that he was going to think badly of her because she had, like, told him she wasn't going to give herself away until marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she had written to him to say that she had no regrets about it and never would. Oh, yeah. So then he responds to this letter in an unexpected way, a kind of douchey way. Uh, <laughs> he starts by saying he does regret what they did. Then he goes on to ask her why she would give in to sex after promising him that she wouldn't. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Ugh. promising to wait until marriage. Then he writes, quote, think of the consequences if I were never to marry you, end quote. Oh, okay. So, like, basically, if I, if, I'm, if I actually never would marry you, you're basically a whore because you slept with me. <laughs> like, I guess is what he's saying. Kind of blackmail? Yeah, well, yeah. He's a, he's a little out there. Yeah. So, at the same time she lost her virginity to Emil, she's still seeing Billy. And though she had agreed to marry Billy eventually, Madeline was still very much in love with Emil and would continue to meet with him in the garden at night. Still? Yeah, So she is a whore. Okay. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, why else? She's in love with this guy and her parents aren't letting her be with him. So, I mean, I don't know. But, but soon the letters and meetings between Madeline and Emil have become less and less. So I think now she really is starting to take a liking to Billy more and more the more time she spends with him. Because now she's kind of shying away from Emil. Like, eh, I think she's kind of getting the ick a little bit. Mm. Like, she's kind of annoyed at this point by how much he caters to her. Like, if she says something, like, come see me, he's going to drop anything that he's doing and run to her. So at this point, like he's so in love with her, it's almost too much for her. It's like suffocating. Oh, so her. she don't like the uh, good guys. <laughs> I don't know the nice well, guys. The clingy guys, yeah. as the girls would say. Yeah. So by September of 1956, Madeline's letters were based mostly around Billy. So at this, so by this time, Emil is is finding out about Billy, and the fact that they had been spending more time together. So eventually, like, she's balancing these two relationships. She's got Emil over here and she's got Billy over here. And it's starting to become too much for her. Like, it's basically a double life because no one knows about her love affair, her secret love affair with Emil. And then it gets hard. Yeah. And then now she's spending all of her time with Billy. So it was becoming more difficult for Madeline. But she continued to lead Emil on for a long time, you know, having him think that they were going to run away together and get married. But uh, a few more months go by, and she finally writes him a letter, and she's like, look, I don't love you anymore. It's over. And, oh, by the way, I need all the letters I've ever written to you back, like ASAP. Like, no one can ever see these letters. I need them back. See, she had burnt most of the letters Emil had wrote to her. She, I don't think she had any left, but she needed the ones she wrote to him, too, so there would be no evidence of that love affair left. Yeah. She didn't want anyone to know about it. So, I mean, if I were... A meal. I wouldn't even want to be in a relationship like that yeah. where I'm being hidden in the yeah. dark. Like, yeah. So you can just tell how much he loves her if he's willing to accept like that he's a secret, basically. Yeah. So she writes him this letter and she demands that he meet her in the garden at a specific time to give her the letters back. Okay. 
But Emil never showed up at the arranged time. And he never responded to the letter either. So, Madeline writes another letter. Because she just fucking likes to write letters, I guess. (laughs) What, he did town? (laughs) Well, they don't live in the same town. See, he lives in Glasgow still, which is 45 minutes, roughly, to an hour away from where Madeline lives. But any other time that she would ask him to come and see her, he's right there. But this time when she's saying, hey, I need these letters back... Because he doesn't want to get these letters back. He doesn't want their relationship to be a secret. He wants everyone to know about it. Yeah. So she writes him again, um, asking which date and time works for you then. Like, you set up a time. And instead of setting up a date and time, he tells her, look, it's we're basically already married. And I'm about to come and show your dad all of these letters to let him know and prove to him, like, where what we, what's been going on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so this is where he starts to blackmail her, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Seen it coming. Yeah. So um, after this, she she decides, look, he's not going to give me the letters back, so I'm going to try it a different way. I'm, I'm thinking she's trying to be nice, so he's going to give the letters back. So she tells him, look, I really do love you. I had to say that I didn't because my parents don't want me to love you, basically. <laughs> so so now we're back to having both Emil mm. and Billy. She's saying she loves Emil. She's saying she loves Billy, you know. Yeah. So over the next few weeks, um, she keeps inviting Emil back to her home. And they will let, she has like a basement bedroom. So like there's a window that you can kind of access from the bottom of the house. Okay. And they would pass notes back and forth between there. And one night she's like, hey, do you want some hot chocolate? So she, you know, passes some hot chocolate through the little, they're like, I guess the window is described as like the glass window. So she had that open, but there were like metal bars yeah. kind of like, right. you know, so they were passing stuff between those metal mm-hmm. bars. So yeah. she starts offering him hot chocolate and things. So, um. After the first couple meetings, um, Emil started to feel compelled to, to, like, keep a diary and a log of his days that he was meeting Madeline. Like, something just didn't feel right. So he, like, gets a journal and he starts documenting these meetings. There was an entry dated February 19th where he states he had a visit with Mimi, which is what he calls Madeline, so Mimi. And he was very ill after leaving her house. So after she he drank that hot chocolate, he didn't feel very well. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So he so went home and he was met with like some really violent stomach pains. It was throwing up and stuff like that. So he said he literally felt like he was going to die. Yeah. But guess what? Well, Go ahead. He did. No. No. But guess what? What? He keeps going back. Even after he knows like something's not right. She keeps inviting him and he keeps going back. Literally keeps going back. Wow. So two days later, three, two, yeah, two days later, he writes, don't feel well. That's all he writes. Don't feel well. And that's when he goes on to say that he had had another meeting with Madeline. So he's not feeling well on February 21st. Mm -hmm. So these occurrences are becoming so frequent that he told his landlady he believed he was being poisoned. But he went on to say that, quote, it is a perfect fascination, my attraction to that girl. My attachment, sorry. My attachment to that girl. If she were to poison me, I would forgive her. End quote. Really? Yeah, that's really? why I say he must really love her because, mm-hmm. yeah. No way. Yeah. No. Sorry. So, by March 21st, you know, a month after that one, um, that one entry, he is so ill that he has to go to see a doctor. And this doctor examines him and everything, and he's like, oh, look, there's nothing seriously wrong with you. Just go home and get some rest. You're going to be just fine. Okay. 
So he goes home and he tells his landlady, like, this doctor is wrong. Like, I'm far from good. Like, there's yeah. something seriously wrong. Like, I'm sick. Right. Something's Something's up. So by March 23rd, 1857, his landlady found him in a doubled up position, pretty much like grabbing his yeah. stomach because he's so, like, it's he's in so oh, much pain. But at this point, he's not even conscious. He's not conscious at this point. So, so she, he's, he's out. He's yeah. Out and so they call the, um, they call the police and they come and he's dead. Like he's gone. There's nothing they can do. They did try to like life-saving so he measures. died in that double over position? Yeah, he died like that because he was in so much pain, you know. So they find him, his body, and they start, like, checking around, and they find a love letter folded up in his pocket. And guess who it is from? Uh, Madeline. Yeah. So they find this letter from Madeline, and, of course, this sparks a lot of suspicion. They're like, hmm. This, I mean, his family was already suspicious, too, of Madeline. I guess they had known about her, so... They they hear about his death and they're like, okay, we need like a po- a post mortem exam to be done, like ASAP. We want to figure out what's going on, or what happened to him. So this exam reveals that Emil had more than thirty grains of arsenic in his body at the time of his death. So that's nearly two grams, which is thirteen times the lethal dose for an adult human. God. Yeah. 13 times the, the lethal dose. So all this time, all these meetings he had been going there, she had been poisoning him little little by little. So it's all like adding up and he's getting sick every day. And like, why are you not like, yeah. why are you still going? That's why my question. To, to well, he was, he, he was, knows, yeah. But he's still just, he knew because he was uh, keeping that journal. And so I'm just like, it, it's that's just kind of idiotic to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't know why anybody would put themselves in that position. Yeah, I'm not going to say he wasn't an idiot, but I feel like love can make you do some crazy shit sometimes, really. It can. Like, if you love somebody enough, you're going to... Sometimes you put yourself through stuff that you wouldn't normally. Making yourself literally sick over that person? That's crazy. So now we don't just have a dead person. We have a homicide you know, so they start to investigate and they begin searching his house. When they get to his office, um, they find all of the letters that Madeline had sent him. So now they're like, okay, they're shuffling through these letters, you know, and yeah. they're... 20 a day, that, that adds up. Yeah, so sometimes 20 a day, yeah. There And there were, okay, so there were 248 letters on the dot. That's not including the one that was folded up in his pocket. <clears throat> so they see it all the times that she's like, can we meet at the party? Yeah, but not only did these letters, like, reveal the secret affair they were having, this also, um, you know, pieced together events leading up to his death. And I believe they also had found his journal, diary thing. So now they're like, okay, we need to, like, question this girl. Um, eventually, Madeline is arrested and she's taken into custody she obviously says she didn't do it. You know, she pleads not guilty. So the trial begins on June 30th, 1857. When the court was told that Madeline had both motive and opportunity to kill Emil, because she did, because she was being blackmailed. She didn't want this love affair to come out. So that's that's the motive right there. Like, if we kill him, the secret's gone, basically. Like, I'm the only one left with the secret. And I'm not telling anyone. I think that was her thought. But, like... My my question, too, was, like, why kill him when you don't even have the letters? Like, don't you know those letters are going to be found at some point? Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. basically, you killed him, and guess what? They still found the fucking letters, and now it's still going to come out. So the truth always comes out. The truth so. always comes out. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, they weren't 100% convinced that Madeline did murder Emil. Some would say that law enforcement didn't have enough concrete evidence to arrest her in the first place. I mean, there were no witnesses, really, so... Actually, there was a witness that was not allowed um, to testify because the trial had already started. And she had said that she saw Emil sneaking around with the old... Or not Emil, I'm sorry. She saw Madeline sneaking around with an older man outside of their home. And who is this older man that she's going to be sneaking around with? Because Billy is closer to her age than Emil is. Yeah. So, okay, but she wasn't allowed to, she wasn't allowed to testify because, oh, the trial's already started. Sorry, we can't let you talk, basically. So, yeah. (laughs) So it comes out that Madeline had actually gone to a druggist to purchase arsenic. Yeah. Back in those days, arsenic was known to be a very popular murder weapon because it was so readily available. Like, you could buy it over the counter. You didn't have to have a prescription. You didn't have to have anything. You could just go in there and be like, hey, I want this, and you got it. Yeah, that's crazy. I guess that's why they put laws in place now. Yeah. People like that. The The defense goes, well, you know... There are other less sinister ways to use arsenic because it was used to, like, kill rod- little small rodents right. like mice yeah. and, like, a rat poison. Yeah. It was also used to in, like, candle making and to make wallpapers and dresses back in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she could have said it was used for anything, mostly. Yeah, and, and she did. She did say that she used it for cosmetic purposes, like, to wipe her makeup off or something oh, like really? that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was her excuse for having purchased it. Oh, okay. Yeah. She said she promises she had never bought that to poison anyone. Ever. <clears throat> and then she goes on to say, like, she couldn't have possibly poisoned Emil anyway because she hadn't seen him for nearly three weeks leading up to his death, which we know is a lie because of his little diary that he kept. Unless, is Emil lying? Did he make that diary to make it seem like he was seeing Madeline even though he really wasn't? But see, the thing about these diary entries that he had, they were not admissible in court. They're like, we're not taking these as evidence, basically. And I'm not sure of the reason why, but, you know. And and then, okay, so after this, you know, they're still pressing her. Like, we know you didn't buy this arsenic for your own personal use. And then her defense started painting her as like this sweet and innocent person and goes on to say that Emil was a foul older man that was pretty much taking advantage of her. And was attempting to blackmail her. And since his attempt at blackmailing her were failing, which they kind of weren't because he said that it was, she said that she loves him again, you know, and all this. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, they're saying that since his attempts at blackmail had failed, he was trying to use, he was the one that purchased the arsenic, is what they're saying. And that he was trying to commit suicide to gain sympathy from what? Madeline. Why would sympathy, sympathy, <laughs> sympathy even matter if you're dead? Exactly. They're saying that he was so hurt by this, you know, by her being in another relationship and trying to end the one with him that he was committing suicide slowly but surely. Wow. And they even said that he had talked about suicide with his friends, saying that he wished he had the courage to blow his brains out. Really? Yeah, but there was no... No one testified to this in court, so that could have just been a bunch of he said, she said shit, you know. Mm. 
So this whole trial, Madeline's not phased at all. She's like pretty much sitting up there, like I know I'm not gonna get, you know, yeah. not gonna get anything out of this. Full like of I'm gonna, soul. yeah. She's very, very narcissistic, I think. Right. And so, um, yeah, all's fine and dandy until the letters began getting read in court in front of everyone, and oh, media's okay. covering this. So this is going national. And okay, so in this t- day and age, like. Sex was like something you do with right. your husband. Yeah. Like you're not you if you're out having sex with that's yeah. that's cra- yeah. like crazy yeah. to them. They were completely shocked to hear the details of these letters because, like I said, pretty much a sext in a letter yeah. form. Like they were going hot and heavy. <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah. So now these letters are being read, and she's like, "Oh shit!" Like her whole demeanor like shifts. She's up there getting read, putting her head down, like uh, yeah. she's embarrassed. She's, she's yeah, she's flustered. Yeah, she's very flustered at this point. So even though these letters did prove that there was a motive for her to kill Emil, because they had everything, they had her saying that she couldn't be with him, she needed the letters back. Um, there was a motive in there. Yeah. Um, there was absolutely nothing really too incriminating in them because her trying to end the affair doesn't make her a killer. Right. So basically, all they had was circumstantial yeah. evidence at this point, and you—I mean—that's up to a jury to yeah. determine. So all the while, like these letters being written and everything, her uh, fiance Billy—he's like standing by her side, and he's telling everyone, "Look, when she gets released, because she's not going to get—she didn't kill anyone, basically." Yeah. We're getting married, and that's a promise, you know? So so he's hearing all of this, like, and he's just, I guess this girl is just really something, because these guys are, like, just putting up with it all. The jury deliberated for only 30 minutes before Madeline was found, can you guess? Guilty. No. Innocent. (laughs) Yeah. She was found not guilty. And she was cleared of the charges of murdering Emil. The court applauded this decision. <laughs> they were, like, pretty happy for her, yeah. you know? Yeah. And Madeline walked out a free woman. But obviously, many people believed her social status had helped her get away with murder. Like, a lot of people were like, no, this bitch did it. Yeah. Like, oh, but yeah. we know you did it. People but... had their conspiracies. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing was, she was a very well, she's very wealthy, came from a high-class, like, you know, family. Mm-hmm. So, and that does help. Probably could have afforded a good lawyer. Yeah, she had a good defense team. So with all this, like, attention, negative attention coming towards her in Glasgow, she decides she's going to move to London. Um, And her family also was, like, very devastated by this. And, like, a lot of people were taunting them. Like, your daughter murdered, you know, Emil and got away with it and all of this. So her whole entire family suffered from this scandal. So her family moves away to Bridge of Allen in Stirlingshire. Um, and they'd soon move again to Pullmall, where Madeline's father died in 1863 at the age of 55. Um, he had never fully recovered from the shock that Madeline, of, like, all of this, like, her love affair, yeah. you know, being being accused of murder, all of that. Like, he died really disappointed in her, I'd say. So they never kind of, they never really re- reconciled. Yeah. Before he passed away. So anyway, Madeline had moved to London, and th- that's where she would marry George Wardle. Yeah, I'm sure you're all thinking, what happened to Billy? <laughs> she was supposed yeah. to marry Billy. Well, she leaves and goes to London, and Billy never sees her again. She doesn't even say bye, see wow. you later, nothing. She's gone. What the hell? Yeah, so she's obviously not, she doesn't love him, you know, obviously. So George Weddle was an artist and a designer, so he was pretty wealthy, you know, he was pretty good off. And... They would go on to have two children together, a daughter named Kitty and a son named Tom. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. She and her husband had divorced in 1890. That's when Madeline and her adult son, Tom, would move to New York. So now she's in the United States because before she was in Scotland. Yeah. So now she's in the United States. Okay. She then remarried to a man named William Sheehy. And that marriage would last 36 years. So that's okay. a long marriage. Yeah. And that ended in 1928 when he passed away of natural causes, okay. not of being poisoned. That's good, I guess. Yeah. So Madeline passes away two years later after her husband passed away on April 12th at the age of 93. She was buried under the name of Lena Sheehy because, see, when she moved to New York, she took on a different identity, basically. So now she's going by Lena instead of Madeline. And to this day, she is still buried in Mount Hope Cemetery in Hastings on Hudson in New York. So if anyone wants to go visit her grave. (laughs) And so after her passing, an old neighbor actually claimed that Madeline confessed to killing Emile. You know, like, this neighbor's like... You know, I kind of want to know if you did it. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, uh, I know you want to know, and I did it. Oh, wow. And if I had the chance to do it again, I would. Oh, shit. Yeah, so she's basically like, I would. But you know what I'm wondering is, like, Dang. was there some kind of abuse going on within the relationship with Madeline so. and Emile? Maybe I mean, he did want to blackmail her. Yeah, and that. And also, like, so. maybe he was kind of, like, brainwashing her or manipulating her. Definitely. Into, yeah. I so, that. I wonder if there had to have been more if she wanted to kill him. I don't think that she would want to just kill just because of the letters. Because no, if it was... there's more than what's just on the surface. Yeah, and if it was just because of the letters, I feel like she would have made sure she had those letters back so they wouldn't get out. So, I don't know. He was an older man. He could have easily taken advantage of her, and maybe mm-hmm. he did. Yeah. And, you know, young women like that, they're very... Naive. Yeah. More suppressful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, this case is still one of Glasgow's greatest unsolved mysteries. People are still wondering, if Madeline didn't kill Emil and he didn't kill himself, then who did and why? Mm. And I guess that's just a question that's going to be... Floating around there. Yeah, unanswered forever because we don't know. I mean, we can all have our feelings and opinions about it at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I believe she did kill him. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know if it's because of the letters, but yeah. I believe that he, she did. And, you know, yeah. she got to live a good life anyway. Yeah, and good long life. Yeah. And he didn't, so that's not really right. But Yeah. Well, yeah. there's always that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with that being said, that is all for this story. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. I enjoyed telling it. And, of course, we will have another episode next week. I don't know if Austin's going to be a permanent resident on the show or not. (laughs) That's going to be up to him. But, anyway. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's all for now. Bye. Bye.